What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports with wacky-ass hijinks and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? I'm doing pretty good, Graham. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Starting starting to get uh, very excited about baseball season starting, Graham. Next week, man. Next week. We've made it through the dark days of spring training. Well, and, well, really December when the Falcons sucked and January and February and all this nonsense. Of us just having to talk about the same stuff over and over again because there's no actual action going on. Right. But now there's almost action, Graham. Yeah. We don't have to talk about the offseason anymore. Right. The core of what we think people like about our show is when we talk about the Braves. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Perhaps. So those things you've been missing are hopefully coming back. Now that we got the season coming around. And we'll have a full-length preview show for you next week. Should be very fair. I feel like we've said we were going to do a preview show and then kind of just forgotten about it before. Maybe that was with the Hawks or Falcons? That was with, I think, the Hawks. Okay. Last, this coming season, because we were like, whatever. Yeah. And then they turned out to be one of the most, I think, the most exciting team, arguably, of the sports calendar year, other than, I guess you could say Atlanta United, but the teams I care about a little more than Atlanta United, the Hawks, the Braves, and the Falcons. You think the Hawks this season are more exciting than the Braves last season? Uh, it's tough, because I, and here's why I'll say this. As much as I love Acuna and Albies and all that stuff, that was extremely exciting. But I've had more, like, and maybe it's because basketball is a more active game, but I've had more holy shit <laughs> moments with the Hawks than I did the Braves the entirety of of last year I think which maybe I'm off base yeah, I think that, you're, that, I think I you're maybe it's also some sort of drug well maybe it's just also because I'm watching the Hawks now and the, the Braves season seems that's what distance. it is you forgot you forgot the amazing moments yeah I mean Nick Markakis lead off homer right the walk Cunha, off homer the Cunha grand slam Cunha hitting not just the grand slam but the what four games in a row with a lead off home run right um, going from a team projected to win 70 games to winning 90 in the division Getting back to the playoffs. Losing in classic Braves fashion in the NLDS, 3-1. to one. Okay, but you're choosing a 24-win team over that? I'm just more excited about the future of the Hawks. It's weird to say, but I, I am. I th- just wait till next week. I'm just saying, man. You need to see live baseball. They haven't even had any damn spring training games on like Fox Sports Net. There's only been yet. a few. Have I love how you're calling it Fox Sports Net. That's, that's, is that that's, not what that's it is anymore? There's <laughs> Fox Sports South and Fox Sports Southeast. What the hell Why they Fox? Fox Sports Net hasn't been a thing in like 10 years. <laughs> well, I mean, I still wish games were on Peachtree TV. And TBS. I've moved past TBS. Okay. Because yeah. I don't get that on the digital antenna. Right, but I always loved when there was like 40, 50 games a year on Peachtree TV. It was great. Yeah. I mean, should have had every fucking game on Peachtree yeah. TV. I mean, that now that Fox Sports Net has us in this terrible TV deal... Oh, it's not just them, it's Time Warner, who owned the team, who took over the team from Ted Turner. They screwed us with that deal, which is ironic considering they are a media conglomerate. Um, Yeah, that is a bummer. So were we making a lot more money back in like the Peachtree TV days? No, that was part of the TV deal somehow. I mean, that that sort of... They started with that and transitioned? Well, they didn't start with the Peachtree TV deal because Peachtree TV didn't come out until like, I don't know, mid-2000s or something like that. This deal was already in place, I think, in the early 2000s, and it has screwed us for pay- in terms of payroll for years. Hmm. Hopefully no one I think fact until, checks us on any of these. I, I think until 2028, we were under this, like, one of the worst TV deals in the history of professional sports. You want to know one reason why we can't afford any big free agents? Look at that deal. Look at the history of that deal. Yeah, and, and, that, and you'll see that. That's a that's huge why. piece of it. Yeah. One of the big reasons why. Okay. Sorry, sorry to jump into all of that, but... Um... Should we start on the regular Brave stuff for this Yes, year? yes. Let's talk about um, what is going on with the Braves, Adam. There's not much going on outside of some really sterling pitching performances from Bryce Wilson over the last three times he's gone out. Didn't give up any runs against the Cardinals or the Marlins. Had another excellent outing against, I believe, the Yankees. Yeah. Um, he looks fantastic. And needs to be on the 25-man roster in some form or fashion. Yeah, I mean, really, I don't know how you can say no to him, Freed, 
had another great outing today. Five innings, I think one walk and seven Ks. And um, Kyle Wright, all, yeah. th- all three of those guys. And there's honestly a spot for all three of them, at least to open up the year. Right. right you think about anyways. it. Fulte is out for God knows how long. Gaussie, Gaussman is, is, is hurt. Yeah. He, he's not going to be ready. So, yeah, there's, there's a couple of spots open in the rotation. Yeah, so the big news this week was that it was announced that Julio Tehran is uh, getting the opening day nod against the Phillies next Thursday for the sixth time, sixth consecutive season that he'll be getting that opening day nod, which I don't think many of us going into this offseason thought that would be the case, but under the circumstances, it makes sense with Fulte and Gossman being out. Well, particularly when... You know, you looked at last season and how overall how poorly he pitched. It was better than the season before. It was still bad. He still had an incredibly high fielding, independent pitching number, uh, one of the worst walk rates, I think the worst walk rate in baseball, and he didn't even make the postseason rotation. He was on the roster. Uh, I thought he was dead man walking. I thought he was either going to be cut or traded. Uh, and unbelievably, we find ourselves, you know, fast forward four or five months, and he will once again be the starter on opening day. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe he had the most walks out of any starting pitcher in the majors. Um, but, I mean, Julio's been there for us in the past, and he's been good on opening day every single time he started. So that's the good news. That's why this isn't a big deal. It's not like this means he's our ace. And it's sort of by default because Newcomb has had a very rough spring. We mentioned the injuries to Gaussman and Fultonavich. So it's like, where do you turn? And you don't want to throw Kyle Wright out there or Bryce Wilson or even Tukey or Freed yet and say, go, opening day. That's just a lot for a young guy to take in. You want to, I know you don't want to treat them with kid gloves, but I think in this situation, giving it to a veteran who, ah, you know, his best days are certainly behind him, but was, who has had a good spring and actually, dare I say, has earned the job from his spring training performance however you want to look at that. Stats be damned, I guess. But uh, he's looked good, and here we are. I mean, I think this is probably the right move to make under the circumstances we're in right now. So think about this with Julio. Um, Last year, like I said, he gave up more walks than anybody in the majors. So that was his big issue because he gave up the homers as well, but the homers were seemingly always after a walk or two, which is the killer. So something Graham and I are just realizing we have yet to talk about yet was back in November, the Braves hired Mike Fast as, what's he, the assistant to the GM for us? Assistant to the regional manager. Yeah, yeah, he's Dwight Schrute uh, to Alex Anthopoulos. And he's the guy who pretty much got the Astros into the analytic game and all that and really pushed them over the top into winning a World Series. So... Pretty big that the Braves got him, and he has kind of tweaked a combination of him and Rick Kranitz have tweaked with Julio this spring training and have him strictly pitching out of the stretch. And the early results are really good 15 Ks to one walk. Um, so, if I mean, if he can, and apparently the fastball velocity is up a hair. Yeah, it's, it's not supposed to be crazy, but it's not in the 88 mile per hour range anymore. 92, 93, right. which is, I think, you're happy if he can be there. Right. Um, so, hey, who knows if he, I mean, he's here to eat up innings. Um, but I mean, if he can still pitch to around a three, five or four ERA and eat up a lot of innings, that's, that's fine by me. Yeah. I mean, that's one way to look at it. I just wonder how long it's going to last his success. Is it going to be a thing where he can sustain, maybe it's stupid to talk about this right now, but that velocity in particular, can he sustain that velocity over the course of the season? Or is it going to be one of those things where we can ride that for a couple of months and then he's going to go, you know, shit the bed? Uh, I'm not really sure. It'd be dumb to speculate in spring training. It would be dumb to speculate in spring training, but he's the kind of pitcher who doesn't have amazing stuff. And if he loses the velocity on his pitches, he's either going to nibble or make a mistake that will hurt us. And that's happened to him over the last couple of seasons in particular. And, We'll see what this new Laculio does for us this year, but I will say at least even though I don't want to put too much stock into spring spring training stats, overall he has looked good, and he faced the Astros his last time out and really 
supposedly looked impressive. Uh, struck out Alex Bregman and made Carlos Correa look silly, apparently. Uh, I didn't see any highlights. I just heard about it. And so it's really nice to see that and, uh, and hear that about Julio. But I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, man, he's going to be doing this for the rest of the season. I think you just let it fly and hopefully, you know, ride it as long as as long as we can. He needs to step up in the interim because of the injuries to Fulte and, and Gaussman in particular. And it's also really nice to see you with a take on Julio that isn't completely doom and gloom and with an open mind to him possibly being a major league pitcher. Yeah, I mean, I think with him, you just got to take it start by start at this point. <clears throat> we know who Julio is, or we, at least we think we do. We're getting a new look Julio Tehran this year. And I don't know. We'll see what happens. Hey, do you think going into the World Baseball Classic in like 2003, people knew who Peter Moylan was as like a 32-year-old nobody pitcher? No. But I failed to see the comparison. The point is uh, you can't chastise a man at 28. You can you can't. Absolutely. People He's assume pitched like garbage the last two seasons. People assume Peter Moylan was out of baseball and was going to be a salesman the rest of his career, and then he had a very successful career as a reliever for the next ten seasons. You know what I was kind of thinking about? Because I was at the last playoff game, or both the home playoff games, but Julio pitched in the last playoff game and the game was kind of a little out of reach. Pitched like two innings and looked pretty good. Yeah, he was I our was best like, pitcher. I was like, what the hell? He didn't walk anybody. No, he yeah. struck people out, and I was like, Jesus Christ, where, where was this the whole season? Yeah. It was kind of funny. But we've probably focused a little too long on Julio. Yeah. But he's our opening day starter, and the other big news that I'm interested to hear Graham's opinion on is Acuna officially being named our cleanup hitter. Has the rest of the lineup been revealed? No, but it sounds like they're going to be doing um, – Ender leading off against Ugh. righties, but then Ozzy leading off against lefties. So it's going to be kind of a mix and match type of deal. Okay. Um, and just to see how it goes. I don't like that just because, I mean, if Ender can be the Ender of old, that's one thing. But he still doesn't have a great on-base percentage even when he's kicking ass. It's still in like the 340s, 350s, which is good but not great. But Acuna, Jesus Christ, the guy... Has a 400 plus on base percentage, power for days. He's a complete player. Get him as many at bats as he can. I mean, we talked about this a couple weeks ago in the sense that, like, either way, he's going to help your team. He's either going to drive in runs or set the tone or score more runs or score more runs. And it sort of just comes, it's a pick your poison kind of deal. But I think we don't put ourselves in as advantageous a position by batting Ender leadoff. Like, I'd almost rather say if you're going to bat someone leadoff and this is crazy, like, that isn't Acuna. I almost want to see Freddie Freeman bat lead off. As fucking crazy as that sounds on paper. That's not something Freddie's interested in, though. Oh, no, I don't think it would be. I'm just saying if you're playing purely from a statistical standpoint, that's a man who can, who who has great discipline, great power, not great speed, but he's going to get on base for you sort of thing. But Ender, on the other hand, isn't as selective, and neither is Ozzy. But Unless you- Ozzy has made a transcendent change in his game, I don't really don't like... I'd rather, almost rather have, until Ozzy shows during the regular season that he uh, has progressed enough to be more selective in his plate discipline, I really don't like him as a leadoff option right now. Even just against lefties? No. Even though I know he has more success in that respect. Uh, his on-base percentage was poor But it's it's last year. It's good in the sense that it's showing that Snit's willing to play around with the lineup. Uh, he's not setting anything in stone. No. And, and they do kind of know they want Acuna with a chance to drive in runs. And that's fair. Uh, and I can respect that take. But I can also see it. I can see the inverse, too. I, I feel the inverse is, is the stronger thing to do. But we'll see how it works out. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm pissed off. I just disagree. But I also see the advantages of doing so. Wow. So Once again, a surprisingly middle ground take for Graham Waldrop. Yeah, I mean, uh, two touchy subjects that I thought was going to get a rant. Right. I, it's just not worth it. It's sometimes. not, Graham. It's sometimes. not. It's really not worth We're it. We're talking about a game. But here's the thing on these two points that, I'll, that I'll, I'll also make. Julio Tehran has had a good spring. He's been our one of, if not the best starter in the rotation in spring training. So you reward that. 
Acuna, yeah. we know, is an absolute monster. He can hit anywhere in the lineup. One or four, two, three, whatever. So it could still work. Now, if you were telling me, oh, we're going to, uh, I don't know, throw Sean Newcomb out there because the future is now, even though he sucked ass in, in spring training, the whole spring training, I would be a little concerned. Same with if you said, oh, we're going to bat Acuna uh, sixth for some reason because X, Y, Z. Then I'll go on a rant. <laughs> okay, that's so, fair. But I can see, you know, I can see the validity in both of these decisions. So that's why I'm not going to freak out, and even you, though on the latter, I disagree with. But you can accept the fact that the man who actually gets paid to make the decisions has probably thought through it and understands the ins and outs of both takes. I guess. Okay. that Not as strong as I'd like, but that's pretty good. I guess. Yeah. I could go on another rant, but I won't. And I will say this about the bullpen. So now Darren O'Day and A.J. Minter are not going to be ready for the start of the season. So now you're going to be relying on the likes of Jesse Biddle, Dan Winkler, Sam Freeman. Sam Winkler has a zero ERA this spring. Yeah. That's nice to see. Um, but Biddle, Winkler, Freeman to kind of be Carl. potentially, or Carl will be some amalgamation of your late-inning relievers. And I guess Viz is the de facto closer right now, Viz, uh, Rodas Vizcaino. Um, initially, the Braves were kind of going to go with reportedly a uh, sort of closer by committee with Vizcaino and Minter and whatnot. And maybe that'll still happen in the future when O'Day and Minter get healthy. But uh, we don't know how this is going to shape out right now in terms of the arrangement of the bullpen, other than Vizcaino is clearly the closer right now. Yeah, it could get messy. Uh, I would certainly like to have one more arm down there. This is why I wish we would have done something with the bullpen this year. Trade or free agent acquisition. There's one place on the team that I really wanted to improve on. It was it was the bullpen. Just need Kimbrell to come down to two years, baby. If you can do two years, I give him two years. $35 million. $35 million. Whatever. What does that average out to? That's a little over $15 million a year. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, if you can't live with that, Jesus Christ. I mean, you, you would think that Kimbrell on the team could potentially make more than $15 million a year in revenue out of fans coming to the game. Oh, yeah. People, I mean, people are already jacked up that McCann's back. And he's also having a pleasantly nice spring yeah. this year. He's going to get a huge ovation, I it, think. It, it is nice with, I was thinking about it with the McCann versus Suzuki thing, that we now have the lefty-righty options instead of two right-handed bats like it was with Flowers and Suzuki. That's fair. So that's, that's a kind of nice change of pace. So if McCann can stay healthy... I still think we're not necessarily getting an upgrade, but we're probably holding even there. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's going to be awesome to see McCann back. Yeah. But it will, and I hear Kimbrell, the rumor is he's going to, he might hold out till June. He might just hold out for the whole damn season or something. I mean, this is, this is kind of crazy. It is, it is really. What happened to people playing for the love of the game, Graham? Well, it's not just that. I mean, we're over that. We've been over that for 20 years at this point, uh, maybe longer. It's more so the fact that it's sort of like a game of chicken, and no one really wants to blink, be it Kimbrell, the Braves, the Nationals, whoever is talking to him, or the Red Sox. I think those are the three teams, and the Phillies are also rumored to have been talking to Kimbrell. Uh, no one is willing to make any sort of sacrifice, be it Kimbrell or the teams he's, he has uh, talked to or his agent has talked to. And it's crazy that we're this deep. We're a week away from actually freaking – Baseball starts this week, doesn't it? Or next week? The, yeah, next week. Yeah, the A's and the Mariners, I think, either play this week or next week. We play next week as well. I know. <laughs> but it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it, it's on it. Um, but this kind of does show you that it, the Kimbrel situation in particular, anyways, is not just a factor of Liberty, Liberty Media being cheap, considering no one else assigned him either. That's true. And the other three teams he's talking to that I know of, at least, the, the Sox, the Phillies, and the Nationals have a considerable payroll. And they've spent, at least the, the Sox, and it's not the Sox, but the Phillies and the Nationals have spent a shit ton of money this year. So they're not starving for dollars. They're not hard up. Yeah. For, for me, as Graham would say, my biggest concern going into the season right now is definitely the bullpen. I don't know 
how maybe two of those young starters we mentioned end up in the rotation and maybe you get Max Freed down in the bullpen to help shore that up a little bit and lengthen it. Yeah, it's either going to be Tukey or Freed or Wilson. Oh, yeah, we didn't even – do we even mention – Tukey? Oh, yeah, we didn't even mention Tukey as one of those young arms. Yeah, I mean, I don't know where he's going to slide in. He's kind of had a rough spring but had a good last outing. So we got four young arms that we could conceivably see splitting up those bullpen and starter yeah, spots. Yeah, we got what, Wilson, Tukey, Freed. And Kyle Wright. And Kyle Wright. Kyle Wright might be one they want to put in the minors to get another year of control. Mm. But I think he pitched last year, so that doesn't make sense. Right. I think, screw it, man. You you, you go with, with your best guys at this point. Like, this isn't an, an Acuna situation where you go into the season being like, oh, we're not going to compete this year, so let's keep the kid out until May and get another year of control. We're ready to freaking compete this year. We're the defending and all these champions. Let's go out, you know, with unabated, unabashed balls and say we are here to win. Are they? And, and we need Kyle Wright here to do that right now. Have they already put up the pennant at SunTrust yet? No, I don't know, and I hope they don't. I'm kind of tired of the division title banners. You hope they don't? No. Why do we want to recognize just a division title? We need to be like Boston. We need to have a higher standard in this town that when you win something and that something is a championship, you get a banner. You don't get a banner unless you win a championship. I like that standard of excellence. That's a town that actually wins championships, though. They can do that. We can't. I know. But I like to hold us to that standard and say we should only so you're put up banners me, for championships. You're telling me they don't have flags or banners for division championships there? No. And for the Celtics, no. It's strictly just championships because they won like 25 of them. Yeah, they don't have crazy for it. Right. But what about the Red Sox? I'm sure the Red Sox have pennants. I don't know. But I'm just saying we should hold ourselves to that standard. If we really want to be a great franchise, we should say we should only recognize the years we want a title. Hmm. In our history. Well, or else we're just saying, oh, we're fine with 14 straight titles and, and one World Series. Uh, we, we shouldn't be okay with that because the, ex, the standard of excellence has been set with the caliber of players we've look, had in the, in the history of this franchise dating back to the 90s. You go into each season and your first goal for every season is to win the division. That's, mm-hmm. that's goal number one. Of course, because so that's how you get that in the playoffs. Sh- that should be celebrated and appreciated. I guess, but it's just like how many times we got to see that? How many times do we have to see? We haven't seen it in five years. Yeah, but I, we've seen it our whole lives. I'm good. I don't need to see that. Shit I'm not again. good. All right, you you settle for your mediocrity, and I'll settle for excellence. Well, or no, I won't settle for excellence. I expect excellence. But you're you're just gonna be upset if you expect. That's excellence. That's fine. That's fine. I'd rather be upset than recognize. Oh, here's another division title. You're gonna die of a damn heart attack. We got more of those than I have on ten fingers. Yeah, in the nineties. That's it was oh, different... we also had one in two thousand thirteen. Nothing. And two thousand one, two thousand two, two thousand three, two thousand four, two thousand five, and two thousand eighteen. I don't need to see any more of those again. They aren't special. They aren't special anymore. That run was historic and it was great. This is a new era, though. That 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 shit's way in the past. I know you feel like it was yesterday, but it wasn't. I know, but I don't need to continue to recognize that shit. We should set a new standard. It is in the past, and you're right. We should set a new standard and say championship or bust. No, I agree that I want a championship, but I, I still appreciate winning a division title. You can appreciate it, but I mean... Well, yeah, just appreciate it. Appreciate, I appreciate the moment. It. I, I appreciate it, but I don't need You're to stand me you wanna, I don't need to see a damn banner. You want to stand up and clap when they put that thing up? I'll be like, yay. I've seen like 17 of these now. Well, you're just a grouch, Graham. Perhaps. That's what it comes down to. Hey, if I can only get upset about division title banners today, I think that's a victory on your end. Oh, no, no. That's, I appreciate your energy you're putting out today. I didn't see it going this way at all. <laughs> So, that's huge for a guy like us. <laughs> that's huge for guys like us. All right, I think that wraps up our Braves coverage. So, Adam, let's transition to the Hawks. Um, not a ton of news going on with the team, but, man, we talked about that Thunder game a couple months ago being just one of the most fun games we've watched in a long time. And we had a game last week that, to me, rivaled that on last last Wednesday against the the Grizzlies, where the Hawks won 132-111 to 111 against a team that had been one of the best defensive teams in the entire league since the All-Star break, and the Grizzlies poured 132 points on them. And it was so much fun. The team was playing like... It reminded me of an old Budenholzer game in terms of the ball movement. People were passing the ball like it was uh, NBA Street or something. I mean, there's just the ball movement was so fluid, it almost felt like a video game. It was absolutely ridiculous. Tons of assists going on. Plays that I have never seen in an NBA game were happening in this game. Two of which in particular involved John Collins. 
one of which was Trey Young dribbling the ball off the court. He hadn't even passed the half-court line. Decides to just casually toss the ball 60 feet down the court. So, like, if you accidentally hit circle while you're trying to hit turbo, right. it passes it? Yeah. Okay. And uh, except it actually worked. Yeah. So John, uh, I mean, excuse me, Trey Young's coming up the court. He hasn't passed the the half court line. He sees John Collins waiting for him, and it's sixty feet away, and he just says, "Screw it!" And he lobs the ball down there, and it's a sixty foot alley oop. I mean, it was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in my life. Like, how do you do that? The the pass was so perfect. The slam was good, but the pass was just unfucking believable. How do you think uh, Steve Holman would have called that play? I wish I'd had the radio on. I wish I had the radio on. I was watching the game. I wish I had the radio on. Mm. It would have been a beautiful call. I'm sure it was. Uh, I mean, did you see the highlight of that? I that saw the play? highlight yeah. of that. Yeah. I mean, listen to that. Just unfreaking believable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I literally just stood up out of the chair and said, oh, my God. Like, that got me just, ugh. It got my blood pumping, man. I haven't, I haven't felt this excited about anything in a long time. <laughs> like <laughs> Just in general? Just in general. Well, especially sports-related. You're on board with this team, Greg. I am in love with with the Hawks. I'm watching, like, every game. I'm, I'm absorbing everything I see. I mean, I, I I adore the squad. And they try so freaking hard. I literally went to sleep last night. Sometimes if I can't fall asleep, I'll just think of something Atlanta sports-related because otherwise I'm thinking about, like, real-life stuff. and sure. No one wants to think about uh, it. No, exactly. <laughs> so I went to sleep last night. Um, dream about the possibility of Kevin Durant on this Hawks oh, team next year. Jesus. And I was like, well... Don't tempt me, Frodo. <laughs> I was like, well, th- he's got this connection with Trey Young already. Uh, young, exciting core. It would still be his team. Why would you want to go play for the Knicks? Uh, we got the money for it. Atlanta's a city on the rise. I just don't understand why Kevin Durant wouldn't want to come here and prove that he can do it with... A to take a losing team and immediately vault them to championship level. That's his team. Right. He would elevate them, like we talked about last week, easily. Eastern Conference Finals, and they would win the Eastern Conference. And, you know what? To rival LeBron, film is blown up here. Like, we are filming major motion pictures here. We're filming Avengers movies, um, Warner Brothers movies. We're filming everything under the sun here. So I saw, you can, ba- I saw Bad Boys 3 just today. Yeah, Bad Boys 3 is filming right now. I swear to God, you can come here and make make you know the way LeBron's trying to you know get Space Jam two off the ground. I know they're shooting that this summer in L. A. That is going to be a garbage. Movie, oh, it's going right? to be trash. Yeah, like who but in the right mind, right, would make a sequel to Space Jam? Like twenty years later, that's pretty much every Hollywood narrative there is. But I agree with you; it's it's stupid. But I'm just saying, LeBron is trying to expand his brand as a businessman. That was his, one of his LeBrand. His LeBrand. That was one of the main impetuses, I believe, for moving to going to L.A. You, I mean, like, the team sucks. He does, probably doesn't expect to win a championship there. He's deluding himself if he thinks he will. But you come here, you can win a champion, or get, you know, closer to a championship, easier here in the East, and you have tons of ways to expand your brand here with especially the film business. I mean, Jesus, if LeBron's trying to make L.A. his, you can make Atlanta yours overnight. Yeah. And you still have high caliber talent here to make your dreams come true especially in the podcast game mm-hmm. like we could get Durant on this guy anytime. oh yeah yeah for sure yeah yeah kd come on over we'll we'll, we'll, we'll be happy to host you yeah we'll get, get a third chair set up yeah third chair set up maybe a, a <coughs> another microphone for you yeah um you can have your own microphone you can have your beverage of choice mm-hmm. you have liquor and beer yep i mean wine as well <laughs> i mean whatever you want man it's usually in a full bar but you can mix and match and sure. make something work. Yeah. Um, Pipe dream, but yes, it is nice to think about. Yes. And, but the fact that it's just a, a slight possibility. Yeah, you never know. And I love, and, 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 and to circle back to what we were talking to earlier, there's the other play that happened in this game happened, uh, I think, in the second half. John Collins goes up for a uh, contested shot in the paint. The ball is literally rejected in midair. Like, it's not like he released the ball, but he's in, John Collins is in midair. The guy has his hand on the ball pushing down with all his weight. John Collins somehow brings the ball down in midair and then puts it up again and makes the layup. I have never seen anyone do that in any basketball game ever. I'm not saying it's never been done before, but holy shit, to do that in an NBA game where a guy literally has his entire hand on the ball, have the wherewithal to bring it down and put it back up in the, while you're in midair. I mean, Jesus God. I mean, what do you want? What else do you want from this team? This is beautiful. I, I, 
I would love to see the video on some of these, Graham. I'm just saying, look that. You're putting a lot of passion into it, so I I could tell it was impressive. Yeah, you got to see that highlight. It was one of the. I've never seen a play like that. That should be number one at Sports Center for the rest of time. Do people still watch Sports Center? I watched the top ten today at lunch. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. I was on at uh, the restaurant I was at. Okay, that's that's, that's yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't choose to watch yeah. it, but it was there. I was like, yeah. oh, sports center. Oh, rah, rah, rah. yeah. He certainly has a, a great um, ability to finish any type of shot around the rim. Yeah, and get creative with it. It's uncanny. Very consistently. It's uncanny. And I mean, the the most impressive thing about this is that the game was decided, you know, in the third quarter. John Collins only played twenty five minutes. He had twenty seven points and twelve boards, eleven for seventeen from the field. I mean. God, I know we just gush over this guy every week, but man alive. If you're not excited about this team heading into the offseason, I don't know what the hell's wrong with you. Like, I have all the confidence in the world, and I have belief in Travis Schlink to make the right moves as the GM. Yeah, that is an odd thing for us to have complete trust in a GM of an Atlanta sports team. He's proven it. Trey Young was a good pick. I don't think – and I will say this to anyone who says, oh, what about Schroeder and why did we go up on Schroeder? Trey Young has more double doubles this year than Dennis Schroeder had in two years combined. His last two years combined on the Atlanta Hawks. Right. That's just all you need to freaking know. Yeah, I mean, giving up on Schroeder that was that seems like a no brainer. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just saying people are saying that Trey was a mistake and he's not as good as Schroeder. Oh. I've seen tons of people say that on Twitter. Who the hell's saying that? Like recently? Within the last month and a half or so, bunch of losers. Yeah, I'm just saying. Just look at that. Must be Thunder fans. Yeah, it's just absolutely ridiculous. I mean... Yeah, no, he, he's a monster, and I trust the Schlank. And we're still, as of right now, we are in the fifth best odds to get the first pick. And the Mavericks are in that sixth slot behind us. Yeah, so here's the good news about that. So... The Mavericks are 28 and 42. We're 24 and 47. We've lost two in a row. They've lost one. We might lose tonight to the, the Rockets. It's a pretty close game at the half. But the good news is, is that they're four games behind us in the win column, and they're five games behind us in the loss column. So four and a half games. Uh, you got to like those chances. And I don't foresee the Hawks uh, leapfrogging anyone in front of them in terms of the Bulls, the Cavs, the Suns, or the Knicks, because. The difference there is it's sort of the same for the Bulls, at least. It's like four games behind the loss column, five behind the win column. And then it gets just worse and worse as it goes along. The Cavs, the Suns, and the Knicks are probably out of, out of reach at this point. However, you stay at the five, and then you get the sixth pick, hypothetically. you got to like that. you got to like the chances of maybe being able to get Zion and then get the sixth pick. I mean, that would just be... Oh! I mean, I feel like we have a better chance of winning the lottery. But... The percentages are there, like yeah, it's fifteen percent, right, for the other guys, for like the, the number, the the worst team in the league or something like that. It's only like twelve something percent, man, or whatever. And it, we're ten. percent And we're ten percent. So, so it's it really like, doesn't make it, a difference. It's not, yeah. I mean, it makes a little bit of a difference mathematically, but not enough to be like you should be screaming at the heavens, but like, why aren't we taking more? The point is, oh, were you you were with me at? Um, I remember going to watch. Oh, was that the draft we watched or the lottery? Probably the draft. Never mind. Cause I I know the lottery is in like June, which is that'll be here before we know it, man. I'm just excited about that. I'm I'm very excited about NBA offseason. I think that was it happened in April or May. The lottery selection. Oh, you're right. It's in May. Yeah, and then the actual draft is in June. Yeah. No, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I'm. I think one of the reasons I am really excited about the Hawks to circle back to what we were talking about in sort of the show opener was more so than any other team. Is that one? We have a great young core, and two, I have complete faith in Travis Schlink over every other GM in this uh, in this town right now. Maybe other than uh, Darren Eels on United, because I think he has made some really good moves. But I don't know enough about that to really give valid criticism on what he's doing right now. But in terms of the the things I do know a little bit more about, you take Dimitrov. And you take Anthopolis and you take Schlink. And Anthopolis is a little bit of an, of, of an outlier just because he's kind of restricted by Liberty Media's bullshit in my mind. Dimitrov is restricted by the salary capture degree, but Schlink has come into a... He, he, has, he has raised this team to the ground in the sense of he's gotten rid of pretty much all the dead weight with the exception of Bazemore. 
and he has an ownership group that wants to win. He has tons of salary cap room for the offseason, and he has proved during his tenure here as the GM to make effective draft picks, not only early draft picks, but late first-round draft picks. And to be an effective GM in the NBA, you have to be able to capitalize upon that, and he has done that so far. And he instills me with more confidence than any other GM right now. I forget, he he did draft... He was there for the draft of um, John Collins as well, right? Yeah. He hit on him at yeah yeah at to, nineteen to hit on him and Harder at nineteen plus get the Trey Young thing right. Right. I mean, and Amari Spellman, Amari I still Sp- think's an asset. Yeah, and I think he, he's know, just had a disappointing season right, injury wise. One of the things that I was reading uh, this week was him talking about how he recognizes he kind of effed up and gained too much weight and wasn't getting into the routine, whereas Vince Carter is all about the routine, and that's one reason why Vince Carter has played for 20 plus years at this point is because he knows his routine and he's sort of instilled that into Amari. And that was one of the things Vince was saying in the article was like, I recognize one of the things I like about Amari is he knows when he fucks up. And for a young kid to realize that is really impressive. And so I think he's going to be able to get in his routine and be a really productive player in the league because of that. And yeah, Amari is one of the guys we don't really talk about that much, but he's, yeah, I agree. He's a valuable asset. Um, I'm going to go to like four or five more Hawks games this year. I know they're running out of season, but I'm going, damn it. So we, we need to at least go to one more. Yeah. I think I've just been to the... We've been to two. Yeah, we've been to two so far. We need to go to more. Yeah. We've got to give this team some love down the stretch. For sure. We're going to the Atlanta Legends game this weekend. Yes, we are. Saturday. 2 p.m. 2 p.m. at Turner Field slash Georgia State Stadium. Yes. Blue lot. Be there around noon. Yeah. If you guys want to stop by... Uh, this will be our our annual. I guess now this is an annual. I event. think it was like it was almost the same time of year as well that we did it. Yeah, the spring game is. I guess in, not quite this, like April. Yeah, it's pretty much the yeah, same. Yeah. yeah. So if you want to show up this time, this one will be a little better than last year. because yeah. there's an actual game and other people tailgating. Right. If you want to actually show up this time, and the users out there will be in the blue lot on Saturday this week. We're not gonna make a big deal out of it because you didn't come last time. <laughs> Except for the people we know. We have no trust in anybody yeah. anymore. You know, we did hear from a couple of people after it happened where they regretted missing the tailgate, which was nice. But yes. people that we don't know. But hopefully y'all show up this year. Yeah. Well, um, do you want to touch on the United? Yeah, let's talk United. Because we're actually watching soccer now, Adam. We're watching it actively. We both watched the game. Separately. On, separately. Yeah. On Sunday. It's a tough draw to the Philadelphia Union. One-to-one. Yeah, there wasn't a ton to like about this game. The one guy I'll call out is Miles Robinson on Atlanta United. Uh, made a ton of plays, or actually really two plays that stood out, where Guzan had been drawn up a little bit or was out of position just because of the chaos of what was going on around him. I don't really blame him for it. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But the point is, is that Miles Robinson was like defending the goal as well, and he saved two goals that were going to happen that the Union were going to score. And he, he played his ass off defensively in that game. So that was really nice to see, I guess, in terms of if you're looking for a silver lining, Miles Robinson is a, is a very reliable defender in that respect. I feel like the United had more legitimate looks. Like, I, they had possession, what, like 70% of the time or something like that? We had the ball a lot, from which, what I can tell. Which looked like the team of last year a little more. Um, there were a couple, I mean, a couple kicks just didn't go their way. Uh, the one that... Joseph Martinez had off the crossbar. Yeah. That yeah. was kind of a miss on his part. Right. He also had another kick where he tried to set up a bicycle and almost made it. That, that was, was unbelievable. That was dope if that yeah. had gone in. It was still a dope effort. It was a great save. Yeah. So we had more chances. Um, there was a lot more offensive progression that I saw in this game as opposed to the last one in terms of like we were, we had a lot of shots on, or enough shots on goal to the point where it was like, okay. You know, if this team was at full strength in the sense that they weren't fatigued as hell for playing this CONCACAF bullshit, maybe, you know, the game of inches would have gone our way as opposed to uh, going right. Philly's but, way. But we did get that one goal where Barco came in, did yep. exactly. So that was a good uh, late, substitute by your boy, Frank DeBoer. Yeah, late game substitution. Barco provided a lot of energy there for sure. And they get the point at least, which is big. Um Guzan had the big save in like the last couple minutes to keep from blowing it completely. Mm-hmm. So, but they get a lot of rest now. I think they play again next Saturday. It's like one game in twenty four days or something like yeah. that. There's some international stuff going on, so a lot of 
our players are going to be going overseas to play on their respective uh, international teams. Um, but the team as a whole, that's not everybody, it's just some, some folks, the team as a whole is going to get some time off, which I think is very beneficial. And I'm still in the camp of, you know, hold up in the sense of trying to decapitate Frank DeBoer and say everything is shit for Atlanta United. I, I love the passion, but let's reel it in a little bit and realize that the season doesn't end for this thing until December. So we got a lot of time to write the ship. It's a very talented group that has proven that they can win a title. And even though some of the personnel has changed and the coaching staff has changed, there's still enough talent on this team to be a very competitive squad in the MLS this year. So we may not know soccer that well, but we do know and understand that implementing a new system takes time. And, um, you know, I respect a coach that looks as grizzled as Frank DeBoer does. He just looks like... He's the guy like, I want to have a drink with really he, bad. I don't know, man. He looks like a mean bastard. He looks like he'll yell at you for doing anything out Yeah, there. but he'd be, like, really tough and maybe, like, make me into a man. Yeah, no, which, no. Which, which we, I would we, like. You we know? need yeah, that. Yeah, I need some some guidance in yeah. life sometimes. And I feel like he's a guy who would just grab me and be like, fuck what you meant, asshole, you know? And I, yeah. I need that sometimes. Yeah, no, that's... So that's a guy I want to hang out with. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so... Okay, so you find that fun. Yeah. Um, I get that. But uh, no, let's let's give the guy a chance, okay? Yeah. I still Although he said that that dumb shit a couple weeks ago, but Right. I still wish he would try to uh, you know, work a little bit to the strengths of the team last year. Um, in terms of the offensive onslaught that was on display for a lot of the season last year and the the, the season prior. But, you know, Probably not going to get that. I think I think DeBoer is, is still going to try to shove his system down the throat of United, and we got to see what happens there. I think one thing that United has done a lot this year, and one thing that led to the goal that happened against the Union, is turnovers on our half of the field. It seems like that is happening quite a bit to United in the early goings of the MLS season, where it's like we're trying to set up the offense, kicking the ball around, and we're turning the ball over. So hopefully that's something we can improve, because I think once we get the ball cross midfield and deeper into the other half of, of, uh, of the pitch, you know, Oh, you're a pitch guy now. Oh, pitch guy. Yeah. Wow. It's, uh, you know, that puts the offense obviously in a much better position to succeed. And that's something we're not doing right now is we're turning the ball over way too much on our half of the field. And that's something I've noticed quite a bit in terms of trying to understand what the hell soccer strategy is. But I'm, I'm seeing that a ton from a ton from United so far this year. Do you blame Sarkeesian for the turnovers? You know, if that asshole would just run Tevin Coleman somewhere, I think we'd be in a really good position. Yeah. You know, especially in that game against the Eagles. He only had 10 touches for 72 yards, and that's great, but give him the ball more. Why is, he, why is he splitting time with Freeman when he's only got, like, six carries for five yards? Come on, Sark. you got to recognize the talent you have on your own roster. Yeah, Jesus Christ, man. Mm. Always comes back to Sark. Always comes back to Sark. Speaking of Sark, do you even want to touch on our... Boring Atlanta Falcons. No, right now. they made a bunch of moves. They re-signed Logan Paulson. They got some <laughs> guy Luke Stalker Stoker to be another backup tight end. Um, nothing that really you know anyone wants to hear about. Your boy Matt Bryant is still unsigned. Matt Bryant's still unsigned, which is shocking. Someone's gonna pick him up. Maybe we should. No. Uh, we don't have that much cap space. I saw something this week where someone tweeted out that we have the least amount of cap space in the NFL right now, like $4.5 million or something like that. That's cool. All of that to sign our draft picks? Well, that doesn't add up. No, but I think um, Levitre is officially gone. It was announced. And uh, Schrader is also officially gone. But he's not going to be released until June 1st. Uh, so we'll get that later. And so... By doing that, apparently we save more cap space by releasing him June 1st as opposed to now. So that'll free up some cap space. I still think Thomas has some tricks up his sleeve that we don't know about that he's working on actively probably as we record this to try and give us more cap space. Look at you giving another Atlanta fig- sports figurehead the benefit of the doubt. I, I just feel like, you know, the way he's approached this, I disagree with it. Particularly with, you know, I, I just think about it Every day. Vic what, Beasley. Vic Beasley. The $12.5 million, whatever the hell the number well, is. how'd you feel today about us not re-signing Bruce Irvin? He signed with the Panthers today. Yeah, it sucks. He, and we, we could have signed him for the money that we gave freaking Vic Beasley. Oh, no. Like, we could have signed I'm him. I'm not saying you just... Yeah, yeah. 
for like two million dollars. Right, you could use just you could have divided that up with four decent players and gotten better production than you're. What are you so gonna get Bru- out of like Bruce these Irvin leagues? had three and a half sacks last year and like. Eight or nine games with us, and Vic Beasley. I don't think had, it was even that. I mean, we signed him in. He, he, his first game was the Browns game, so that was when. Or was it the Skins game? Is the Skins or the it Browns? Was, it was game? the Browns. Is the Browns okay? Yeah. So that was when. So we were five and five going into that something game. like that. Yeah. Um, so Vic Beasley only had one more sack than Bruce Irvin, right? The which whole is year. Just crazy. Yeah, it's just crazy. Thomas and Dan Quinn, in no way, can defend that move. That has absolutely fucked us. I mean, it is just awful. Like like we were saying, you could literally get three or four decent players and have them exceed the production of Vic Beasley. Yeah, bring in Bruce Irvin and Adrian Claiborne. Yeah. Boom. I doubt they're looking for that much, and I would take both those guys or Vic Beasley in a heartbeat. Vic Beasley needs to go somewhere else and figure out what the hell he's, he's doing because, honestly, if he hasn't figured it out in four years, he ain't going to figure it out in the fifth year. This is absolute horseshit. Well, that's what you thought about Julio, too, but we'll, we'll see what Julio's got going on this year. Julio Tehran? Yeah. Julio's going into his... Ninth year? Ninth year. God, that's crazy. I maybe, feel old as shit. Maybe he's going to figure it out. I mean, he's figured it out before. He's had good seasons. Vic Beas has only had one, like, absurd season. Everything else has been just trash. Mediocrity at best. So... You just can't justify that. And well, now we, that puts we, us in a position where we can't even afford to sign our own draft picks. Well, we, we, at least we got Stephen Means back. Stephen Means is a solid player. <laughs> I know, I'm not upset about that. That's fine. And, and, and honestly, you need depth on the defensive line right now because all you got is Means, Vic, and Tack. Mm-hmm. And Jesus God. I mean, you know, people are talking about some us rookie. drafting a defensive tackle in the first round. I mean, if you see some edge rusher you like... Maybe not in the first round, but the second round or third round. Yeah, later on. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna oppose that because the defensive tackle position is so stacked in the in the in the draft this year. But I mean, defensive end, we are really thin at right now. Incredibly thin at three guys. Jesus. Yeah, I don't think they filled the roster out yet, Graham. No, but son of a bitch, it's kind of disturbing. Fortunately, we got the Braves. We got the Hawks. We got the United. Yeah, to keep us entertained. Yeah, let's not worry about this Falcons team right now. Yeah. Yeah. It is sad that Levitre is gone, but what are you going to do? He can't stay healthy. Yep. So we did We did sign Ken John Barner over the last week or so. Uh, if you don't know who that is, and I wouldn't blame you if you didn't, he's the guy who returned the kick on the Panthers uh, where Matt Bosher laid him out. So that's the guy that we, we sign. We, we like to sign people who we, we F up and think they'll be an asset on our team, like Tyson Breo. I was wondering why they were talking about that guy in 92-9 the game earlier this week. I thought they were just reminiscing about Matt's, Matt Bosher's hit, but I did not realize we signed him yeah, as well. Yeah, it's the same guy that Matt Bosher laid out. Matt Bosher's an athlete, though. He's a big dude. Yeah, I mean, he can maybe he can tackle, but he can't really punt that well. So Well... That's why we got to drop him and pick up the dude on the Atlanta Legends. Yeah, Atlanta Legends guy, he kicks better than Bosher. I'm sorry, Matt, if you listen to this, but... That'd be really sad if Matt Bosher were one of our listeners and we just... And we lost him. Lost him. (laughs) (laughs) We go down like two or three listens a week because he told his friends, hey, these assholes I recommended you, they're pricks. Damn it. Sorry, Matt. I called you an athlete. Yeah, you are an athlete. You You can make a hit or two. Keith Armstrong taught you well in that respect. But... Let's wrap up this silly Falcon segment because it ain't going nowhere. Uh, I don't think we got anything else to talk about, Adam. I think this concludes this week's episode of Atlanta Zone. Anything else you want to leave our users with this week? Um, I just switched my cell phone plan. Oh, shit. From? Verizon. To? But it was the family plan, so I was paying my mom every, week, every month, ah. which was $69 a month. To pay your mom. Yes. So you didn't split the 69. 69 was from you. That's just my portion. Right, right. Yeah. 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 Uh, to Mint Mobile. Have you heard of them? Mint Mobile. Do they have a 2G LTE network? No, they have a 4G. Oh. Uh, and they had Super Bowl commercials as well. Oh, sorry. They're a, a DC liberal startup in California that are on the up and up. And they just send you your stuff in the mail. They don't have all these stores everywhere. What is your stuff exactly? Uh, SIM card. 
Ah. And instructions on how to activate. So you just put that SIM card, SIM card just in your Just pop it in. Phone. I transferred my number over. No problem. Wow. Uh, yeah, I called you earlier and you picked up, so it must work. It uses all the same uh, towers that Verizon and AT&T and all the big boys use, just without, without all the fluff. Sure. $15 a month. $15 a month? Jesus H. I'm gonna, Christ. I'm gonna save Start s- private pile? I'm going to save $600 this year, Graham. Fucking A. Yep, I would highly recommend it to all. You're a big uh, money-saving guy. I mean, if you could save $600, what's wrong with saving $600? I'll save $600. Yeah. Shit, this episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. I was thinking about doing a, <laughs> doing a commercial, but I, we'll, we'll end it with a commercial. Yeah, it, it works very well. I mean, it's the lowest data plan, but I just use Wi-Fi a lot. And you can, if you want more data, it's an extra $5 a month, so $20 a That's month. That's not bad at all. No. That's better than I pay on my damn plan for Verizon. I'm sure. Jesus. How much do you pay? I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> you probably pay... I think it's like 65 or... It's somewhere, somewhere in, the, in there. In yeah. the nature, yeah. in the range of what you were paying. Yeah. Damn. So, look into it. Look into Mint Mobile, folks. Yep. Jesus. It's legit. Some guy on Reddit told me about it. And the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> yep. Well, folks, um, we'll have a big Braves preview show for you next week. And some other and another surprise guest that we are very excited about that will hopefully blow your minds. <laughs> Until next it's time. It's not just one of our friends. It's not just one of our friends. It's someone in the actual sports media world. We are very excited to have him on the show. Until next time, rise up, chop on, stand brotherhood, unite and conquer. All hail ATL and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality. Hospitality.